0: Uh, sitting on a beach at spring break. We just want to say welcome to Well House. A lot of moving pieces today. Like they said, Chris and Vicki are out, and I know several others, and I just see gaps where I know that people normally sit uh, that uh, I'm not going to try to hold a grudge against because they're going to post later today a beach, and it's going to be 78 degrees and sunny, uh, but at least we have the sunshine here, and uh, I'm going to try to make this lesson today go as long as I can because I know most of you have nothing to do this afternoon. So uh, anyway, We're going to start a playlist, we're going to go move to track two. I just want to ask a question, uh, a question I know that you ask yourself depending on where you are in your season of life, and, and it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're not walking with Jesus at all, it doesn't matter if you consider yourself a Christian or not, this is a question that all of us wrestle with, and we wrestle with a version of this probably often. It doesn't matter if we're 16 or 65, it's a question that, again, cycles and it surfaces throughout the course of our life, and, and I'm going to tell you that if you're asking it today, it won't be the last time. And so, what we hope to do is use some words of David to begin to build a foundation so that when this question does come up, we're able to answer it in a way that really can center us but also propel us into the future or into the next season. The question is this Do I matter? Do I matter? As we begin to consider life and everything that is around us and we consider family or we consider struggles, we consider our health, we consider, you know, that work uh, place that we, you know, just can't seem to advance in, in our careers, school, you begin to ask a version of that question, do I matter? If you look, you know, it's one of life's greatest questions. It ranks number two. And other versions of this question is this, who am I? In light of everything, who, who am I? Who am I that would qualify to get that job? Or who am I to be parenting another human being? Or who am I to have influence over my neighbor? Who am I another is this? What's my meaning? What's my purpose? See, all those fit under the umbrella of who am I? Do I matter? Do I have purpose? Do Do I have meaning? Am I significant? Am I noticed if I were to just disappear into the thin air? Would anybody take note? Would anybody notice that my seat... And here has been left empty for some time? Or would anybody notice at work, or would anybody notice in my neighborhood? would anybody even notice? Would they care? Am I valued? Am I loved? Am I appreciated? And so all those again, fit under this little nice umbrella of, "Do I matter?" The answer that's yes. So let me illustrate it a a different way, Uh, because I think what clouds our vision in this is that we get lost in the midst of some things. So what we're going to do, we're going to pretend like that this rope stretches for eternity, even though it doesn't. It goes right there to a ladder. But we're going to pretend that this rope goes as far as it can in both directions. And so this side is going to represent as far back in time and we can't trace it. It's just, it's, it's, it's eternity. It's infinity back that way. And this is going to represent this side as far into the future as we can go. The rope never ends. And so throughout the course of the rope, there are things that hang on the rope. So we hang kind of what we consider the beginning, you know, like Adam and Eve, even though there's things that are back here. It doesn't matter your view on creation. There's something that happened where God began to speak some things, put some things in motion. And so we have Adam and Eve. And so this doesn't just represent them. This represents their entire kind of existence, everybody that's around them, anything that was around them during that time. So then we move along, but not too far. We hit a guy named Moses. Again, historical key figure, not just in Christianity, but even secular. You know, we can kind of look to Moses. And so, again, even though there's a pretty good gap here, It doesn't look like it in the grand scheme of things. Well, then we hit a guy named Jesus, who, by the way, Christian or secular, is the most historical figure to ever walk the earth. And so uh, let's say a little bit of gap. So we'll say right here, Jesus. So again, it doesn't just represent him. It's everything. It's that time period. It's the world as we know it is existing in this. Then we kind of fast forward on down. It's small. This is Napoleon. And so another key historical time lot's happening in this time, worlds being developed, worlds being discovered, all sorts of things. And then for us, about right here, 1776. So now we're getting into kind of things we know, things that we're familiar with, things that are us, it's our story. And while all of this is our story, this really kind of takes shape in who we are, American pride, all those sorts of things. Then we're going to enter into today, 2019. And as you notice, there's not a lot of gap here. It doesn't take up a lot of the rope. It goes as far as it can go back that way. And then we've got what we know is kind of recorded time and history through here. And then we're going to zoom in one more time. So in 2019, there's Nashville. And this little red dot is going to represent everything that is Goodlitzville. Then, on the little red dot, there's going to be a black dot. And that is Wellhouse Church in Goodlitzville. And then you and I are right in there. And so this is time and space and quantity as we know it. This represents time. This represents spaces and quantity. Because within each of these, there's a ton of people. There's all sorts of people that have walked the earth and done different things in each of those periods. And there'll be more to be hung after today. And here's what I believe happens. I believe that when we look at the vastness of time and space and quantity, it becomes very sobering, mind-blowing. And I believe that to some degree, for some of us, we're in a season where the degree is great. For some of us, we're in a really good season where we're kind of centered in. But to some degree, every single one of us gets lost in this. We get lost in time, space, and quantity, and we don't realize that in the midst of all this that we're seen. If you could walk up here, we're, we're seen. And so we say, there's no way I can matter in the midst, in the vastness of, I mean, what, what, is, what is the dot? Do I really matter? Am I overlooked? I'm insignificant. And so we begin to question, am I seen? And I think when God looks, he doesn't see the dot, he sees this. But that doesn't always answer the bell, does it, for us? We get to these places where, again, we we say, in the grand scheme of this, do I matter? And there's good news, you're not the first to ponder this. You're not the first to wonder this. You're not the first to question these things. And I've already told you, this is not the only time in your life you're going to do this. It doesn't matter how old, how young, where you are in life, good, bad, if you're at the mountain peak or at the valley. There are going to be seasons of life. So how do we deal with this? Well, David helps us with that. David wrote a song about this. So David, who we introduced last week, and so we have the Psalms, which is this collection of songs, It's a collection of music written by, we think, you know, 15, 20 people. David wrote kind of the lion's share of these. He wrote at least half of them, maybe more. So we zoom into Psalm 8 where David, this young man who has kind of all kinds of seasons in life. He goes from being a shepherd. He goes from the shepherding to, you know, killing Goliath. So he's got some military experience. He's later appointed king. And so he, and then after king, he kind of is an adulterer and a sinner and and kind of has to get thrown, you know, in this public arena of of really kind of messing up. and, And then he kind of restores all this. So David, David's all over this place. And so in the midst of this, David is, is writing some things, and he wrote some things that are very personal to him. But he takes them and he makes them universal. And that we said that's what music does. We discovered that last week, that music is something very personal that is made universal because music is the universal language of mankind. And so in the midst of this, he writes about this. Listen to this. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Psalm 8, he says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He says, You're, you have set your glory in the heavens and through the praise of children and infants you have established a stronghold against your enemies, silenced the foes of the avengers. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set into place, What is mankind that you are mindful of them and human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands and you have put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish of the sea, and all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name, and all the earth. And so here's the scene. David, a young man, probably shepherding his flock. Night has come and he's bedded those sheep down. And so here he is, laying on his back, and looking and considering and pondering time, space, and quantity. And so he sees, as far as he can see, in one direction or the other, he sees the moon and the stars, and he sees the vastness of the creation of God. He, he is, it is on full display, and he begins to wonder a couple of things. Who am I in the midst of this? You know, we don't get to experience this because we live in the city. We look up on our backs, we see cranes, and we see neon. That's kind of what we see. But I saw this, and I witnessed this, and I had Psalm on my mind a few years back. I got to go to Africa with my dad if you haven't been to Africa, it should be on your bucket list. It's a great place. It's an awesome place. Went to Tanzania. But when it gets dark, it just gets dark. There's no electricity to matter a whole lot. And so we're kind of out on the outskirts of what is considered a little bitty town. And so I remember going out one evening, sitting on a balcony. And for the first time, probably in a long time, again, being in Nashville for so long, I saw things in a different way. I went, wow, this is really bright. And it was this pitch black backdrop. And I saw stars as if they were like crystals. And I could see them as far as I could see until the sky met the land this way, until the sky met the land this way. And and, and this is what he's seeing. He's seeing this amazing, there's no visual obstruction, there's no outside light that's disturbing the natural light of the moon and the stars. And I know in that moment, he's probably feeling the same thing I did in that moment sitting in Africa. It was almost overwhelming. And in that, as I zoomed in, I went, I'm really kind of small. And this is what David feeling. So here's what he does. He grabs his, his giddeth, which is just a harp, and he begins to write a song. And what happens is he discovers who he is in the midst of this. See, from the observation of time and space and everything that is, from that comes a sense of awe of who God is, discovery of meaning, empowerment, and purpose. So let's just work through this. Verse 1, he says, O Lord, our Lord. See, he begins with everyone whose questioning should begin. So if you're questioning, who am I? Do I matter? Am I significant? Am I valued? Am I loved? Notice where David starts. David starts with God. He says, listen, if you want to discover who you are, your value, your significance, your place in time, space, and quantity, he says, start with God, because there's nothing bigger than that. He says, let's start at the biggest place. So he starts with the name of God, and he starts with his relationship, because he understands that seeing who God is, having a a solid understanding of that is going to shape how I see myself. And so he says, Lord, it's proclamation. The Hebrew word for, for what he's talking about here, he says, Yahweh. Yahweh. What you need to know about Yahweh is this, is that this was a known term. This wasn't a secret term. This wasn't a hidden term. This wasn't a term that was off-limits. See, some names of God was kind of off-limits. You didn't even say those names. But this was a common thing. This was a common name. People used the Lord's name, Yahweh. But Yahweh was something that was very known but also very personal. Yahweh was this, this, this uh, display of both power, it was to be respected and revered, but it was also a display of presence. It was a name that signified accessibility and visibility. God, you are both powerful, but you are also known. So he starts with, Lord, Yahweh, you are it. You are powerful, but known. And then look how he follows this up, he says, Yahweh Lord, our Lord. Yahweh Lord, David says, my Lord. He makes it very personal. He says, you're not just known. You're not just sitting on this massive golden throne to be in awe of. He says, no, you are my Lord. You are my Yahweh. You are you're known to me. You have created an avenue where we can be very relational. This can be very personal. And so that's where he starts. And out of that, he says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God, you are known by what you display. So here he is. He's looking. He says, Yahweh, Lord, you are both powerful and present. You are my Lord. And look, you are known by what you display. Look at this. These majestic landscapes and these majestic moments that exist throughout time, space, and quantity. He says, God, you are those things. You are mighty majestic. He's saying you are mighty. You are amazing. The impressiveness of your power does not go unnoticed and it goes unmatched. He said it is visible. And so here's what David does on each of these. David is placing the name of God on places and people. That God, your name, and it is majestic, is known, visible, accessible over all the earth, space, places, people. Another way to say it, he's saying, God, you show both authority and dwelling. God, you show both authority and dwelling over all the earth he follows this up. He says that you have set your glory. You've set something. What have you set? You've set your glory, your presence. I can see it. It's visible. So David sees all this glory around him, and here's what he figures out. Because of the glory that he sees and knowing who it is that's behind it all, the Yahweh Lord, he says, I can truly know who God is at this core. That the core of God is. Is one that is present, one that is visible, and it is one that is majestic. And so David has a praise party. Because of that, he says, I'm going to rejoice. And David says, you can too. And if you're in this moment where you're wondering, who am I? Significant, am I important, am I valuable? What's my mission? He says, start with God, start there. He says, that's the starting point. You want to know who you are, discover who he is. You want to know what your life is all about, discover what his life was all about. If you want to know where you're going, look where he's come. Look where he's taking you. He says all of these things begin to click. And then what happens is we move from what God does based on who he is to who we are. He says, you set, verse the end of verse 1, he says that you you set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and and infants. You have established strongholds. Verse 3, he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place. He goes into, God, let me describe what I'm seeing. I know who you are. Let me describe now what you're doing is that you have this amazing creative power. You have set. Your glory in place. You have created the smallest of things. You Infants and children, establish your praise. He says your heavens don't require anything other than your finger. You don't have to use your whole hand to do this. God, you have created this, you have done this, you have spun all of this into existence, you have spun it into motion using your fingers. It is effortless, but it is amazing. He says, I see it, I see the sun, or the moon, I see the stars, that you set those. You have not just creative power, but you have creative control. What David is doing is what I don't do very well. See, in the moments that I question who I am, I tend to make the story about me. And David is doing what I don't do very well. He's keeping the proper perspective to the question. In order for me to discover who I am and my significance, I've got to understand who God is first. But see, I take it and I go, you know what? I'm the lead in my story. We make it about us and know that we're going to turn the next verse. David gets there. David gets to this very personal, God, I need to to be affirmed in some things. I need it to be about me a little bit, but that's not where I start. God, he says, this, this is all about you. And I'm just a dot in the midst of this, but God, this is about you. But, But what David does is he turns this and he says, but I'm not an unseen dot. I'm not an unnoticed dot. So God, I I want you to display your glory in a way that I take note of. I want to never forget that, that God, this is about you. Let me constantly see that. Let me search for that because when I discover more about you, I discover more about myself. Look what he says in verse 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? And while there's a question, there's also a statement of fact in this. So here's the question. God, who am I in the midst of this galaxy, space, time, quantity? In the midst of all of this, there's a question, who am I? But there's also a statement of fact in this. I want you to notice something about this. He says, what is mankind that you are mindful? Human beings that you care. Notice that David doesn't say, God, in light of all this, will you be mindful of me. David doesn't say if you got time in the midst of time space and quantity could you show a little care for me? And so while David is questioning who am I in all this, he's also answering the question in this. He says that you are mindful of me. That's not a question, that's a statement of fact. You do care for mankind? That's not a question. That's a statement of fact. So he's not saying, will you? He says, you are. That God, you are great and you are magnificent. You are creator. And I am this puny, small blip on the radar, but you still take note of me. There's nothing that I've got to say the rest of this time. That's going to be better and more meaningful for you than that. That in the midst of time, space, and quantity, David says, it's not will you, it's that you are. You are mindful of me and you care for me. Those are not statements of doubt. Those are concrete faith statements that says, God, I know when I consider this, I can quickly get lost and overwhelmed and feel really insignificant and small. But God, you make my paper yellow. That You are mindful of me. You take note of me. You show interest in me. And so do you hear, we're halfway through the psalm, do you hear the rhythm of this? Do you begin to feel the personal rhythm of the song? And here it is that when I understand and I begin to lean into who God is, knowing who God is, I inadvertently discover who I am. God, you are magnificent. You are mighty. You are big. You are huge. You are <laughs> Your creative power blows my mind, what you can do with a finger. But in that, I discover that I am important to you. And when I begin to lean into that, hold up, in the midst of all this, I'm noticed by God that I am cared for by God, then all the other experiences and secondary questions that comes with who am I begins to disappear off the table. Suddenly it doesn't matter so much, me trying to climb the corporate ladder to arrive at the question of who I am. All of a sudden, I begin to understand that the perfect relationship isn't what defines that. Being rich doesn't define that. Being someone of great influence and power doesn't define that. God defines that. And if God who created all this sees me defines that, then here I am. You are on the mind of God. Can you just let that sink in for a second? That right now, in the midst of this, that you are on the mind of God. I think that's way more sobering than even trying to figure out how far this line goes. That I, Jason, am on the mind of God. And guys, this isn't anything new. This is the story beginning to end. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, God said, he said, let, let us. He's talking, to, he's talking to Jesus. He's talking to, to the Spirit. He said, let us make humankind in our image. He says, you know what would be cool? Let's make them in our likeness. So that they can rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. And then he says, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female, he created them. You were on the mind of God from the very beginning. Okay, well, let's fast forward. Jesus is known as what, the Alpha and the Omega, meaning, you know what, he's kind of the end. And while time continues to stretch on, God has revealed his fullness and his plan for us through Jesus. So listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, well, not only were you there in the beginning, he says that not two sparrows sold for a penny. He's saying they're worthless, right? I mean, they're everywhere. Jesus is looking out and saying there's 4,000 of them in that tree. They're not worth anything. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. He says, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. He says, you are worth more than many sparrows. From the beginning, you were known and you were created specifically in the image. You were on the mind of God. And he says, you know what? No matter where you are, you might be a fallen sparrow. That's what you feel like. You know what? I am scarred. I have fallen out of the tree. I have broken the wing. I am of no use. And God says, no, no, no. I still see and number, the hairs on your head. You are known. You are crafted perfectly in his image. And you are known down to the smallest details. But you are also given responsibility. You are given a role. It's not that you just get to be known and exist on the line. He says, no. He says, let me top it off. Verse 5. He says, You have made them a little lower than the angels. He's going to go on to continue to elevate this thought. You have crowned them with glory and honor. He says, listen, you're a little lower than the angels. That's not a slight, by the way. He's not trying to create some sort of of humbling moment where he goes, well, you're not that important. He says, no, this is not slight. David says, this is elevation. He says, you have been given a position. Look at it in the the, the flow chart of of, of eternity and creation. He says, you have been given a position of distinct honor. It is a position of distinction. He says, then the biggest reveal, he says, "You you have been crowned with glory and honor. So when you ask, do I matter? Here's what God says. He says that you, me, we, we are, look at this, the crown of creation. That we are the crown of creation. That we, as we begin to consider time, space, and quantity, God says, not David even, God says you are the crown of creation. You know, within the royal family, there's lots of jewels, there's lots of value, there's lots of significant pieces, right, to the dowry. But you know what the most important piece is, right? It's the crown. Wars have been created because a crown went missing. Wars have been created because the crown is up for grabs. And God says that you, like the royal family, in fact, if you read on, Peter, who was a disciple, a close guy of Jesus, a friend of Jesus, who understood all of this and who Jesus was and how he had been created. Listen to what he says. He says, here's what I want you to know, and he's talking to a church that's there local. Peter says that you are chosen people. Did you know that? And then listen to a word that he describes. He says, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. He says, you are God's special possession he says, so that you can understand your role, so that you can declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Peter says, don't doubt who you are. He says, you are crowned. You're royal. You're crowned with his glory. You were created in his image. And we look again at the creation of space, time, and quantity. He says, here's where I'm going to put the crown. I'm going to put the crown right here. I'm going to set the crown on top of your head because you, the crown, He says, I'm going to decorate you with a sign of elevation. I'm going to decorate you with a sign of distinction and honor. And we are exalted to become a display of divine favor with God, of his glory. And he goes on to say in verse 6, he says, you've made them rulers. This is going to mirror really Genesis. He says, you're made rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. He's talking about you and I, people. All flocks, herds, animals of the wild, birds of the air, fish of the sea. All those things that swim in the paths of the sea. David says, let me point out one more way that you are uniquely distinguished. You realize that nothing else on the earth has the role and responsibility above one to the other and to one another than humans. He says... Another way that you are uniquely distinguished from the rest of creation is that you have been put over creation. And it wasn't to rule with authority and power. He says, no, it's to care for. It's to be responsible for. It's to, as God has modeled for us, be mindful of and care for. He says, that's the role. To care for one another. To care for creation. Care for the environment. Care. He says, you are again by the roll by the crown by the by the majestic work of god that he is mindful and ca- do you get it you matter and so david lays on his back and says this is unbelievable god that in the midst of time space quantity creation you are not only mindful of me, you care for me, you have crowned me, and you've put me in charge. And so, God, may I care for the way you care for. So, as we land in life's toughest moments, and I know that some of you are in some really tough seasons right now, and some of you aren't, and so you're equipped to help some others in Some really rough seasons. But in these rough, dark, lonely moments when you wonder, does God see me? And we're going to talk about this. There's some songs of lament that we're going to get into where (laughs) David, same guy who writes this, is going to say just a few over when we get to next week. He's going to say, God, have you forgotten me? But in these moments where you go, God, do you see me? The answer is yes. Yes. If you're in a season where you're going, I'm just kind of looking for what's next. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to navigate my own timeline. You know, my, my little piece of paper on the list. God, am I am I okay here? You know, am I stepping in the way that yes. And when we get to these places in life where we are, we're just filing through. We're kind of moving from experience to experience to answer the question. See, we, that's what we do, too. We, we get to these moments where we go, okay, I didn't find meaning. I didn't find the answer there. Okay, let me move to the next experience. Okay, well, I didn't find let me. Okay, I learned something about myself, but that's not. So we're just filing through these experiences, one after the other, looking for the meaning of life, wondering, do you have one? God says, stop looking for it in this and look for it here that when you understand who I am, you understand that you are important, you're meaningful. He says, just just lean in and, 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 and wear that crown of glory, use it to glorify me, represent me. You have been created to be an image bearer, to care for creation, be mindful of that. He says, hey, it's a big deal because you're a big deal. And what I've learned in this is that in the moments that I shuffle through, again, bad experience after bad experience in my own life looking for that, it was right in front of me the whole time. And all I had to do was acknowledge that God, the creator, this majestic God, sees me, knows me, cares for me, and is mine for me. And here's here's what I want you to, to leave with. Nothing gets to take that from you. Failure doesn't get to take that from you. God doesn't go, well, you know what? You've kind of messed up too many times. I guess we will forget about him, forget about her. Your brokenness doesn't get to take that from you. God says, you know what? If anything, I'm more mindful of you when you're broken. In those moments of desperation, deep, darkness and these moments of weakness. See, we use those as barriers or excuses. Well, I'm broken, so I guess I'm not good to God. And God says, I don't know where you got that from. I don't have a clue where you got that from. Because even fallen sparrows are still of value. They're still as, just as valuable as the day I created them. He says, stop. Stop allowing life and circumstance and hardness to... Take what it is that I have given you, and that is a crown. So when we doubt ourselves and we doubt our value and our worth, remember who you were created by and what you were created for. To be a representation of God, a God who cares. And David said, my view and understanding who God is shapes my view and my understanding of who I am. And he says, it's all good. Perfect? No. But it's all good. Because look how he ends the psalm. He says, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's a moment that David could have went, man, I'm just so lost in the midst of all this. But he says, no. In the midst of all this, I understand who I am. I am crowned. I am on the mind of my creator. And O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Stand with me. We're going to repeat this. We're going to end each week kind of just reading part of this psalm. Jim, if you will, throw that back up. I just want to say this together, and I'm going to pray us into communion today, where again, you are known. You don't walk up to the table as a faceless person. You don't walk up to the table as someone where God goes, Huh, I'd forgot about them. Or you don't walk up to the table today if you choose to walk up to the table uh, where God's gonna go, Sorry, this is not for you today. Now God God reserved a seat for you around these tables well before you walked in here this morning. Because you're known. God was mindful of you when he gave the sacrifice that's represented on those. When he took the us from Genesis 1 and made part of that in John chapter 1, he says, you know, that I become flesh, I become Jesus. He said, I did it because I had you in mind. And so when Jesus sat around a table with his disciples and said, hey, what can we do to kind of give some symbolism and create something that, you know, will we'll go for the rest of time and, and when people do this, they'll, they'll think of me. Well, we always eat and we always drink. Green beer, according to Jimmy. Cinco de Mayo, I guess we'll have margaritas. But he says, let's just take a meal. Let's take what we do daily and create a remembrance. And I believe that when Jesus set this up with his disciples, he had you in mind too. He said there'll come moments when people will do this around the earth for as long as this line goes that he says, you know, we'll, we'll commune together. We'll be mindful and we'll use this as a moment to heal, but we'll also use this as a, moments, a moment to remember that you matter to God. And so we're going to allow Psalm 8, verse 9, to be the walkout music, if you will, to the tables this morning. Let's say it together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.